When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of Battle Red Radio. I am your host, Colt Molesky, joined by my co-host, Corey DLG, and of course, Nico DLG on the ones and twos. We are bringing you the latest edition, getting ready. We are, it seems like we're crawling now as we get down to the last few days. We race through the summer, and now as we are just days away from the regular season for the NFL Seems like we're kind of crawling. At least it seems to me like we're kind of crawling to the finish line. But I can't wait to get into the season. Corey, Nico, I know you guys are just as excited as me to get some NFL football back in our lives. I am. I am just crawling is right. Like I felt like we were sprinting. Like behind the scenes, you know, you and I were going through the process of getting this show. Uh, once we landed the job and we were kind of locking everything in and, and making plans. Like everything was like, it felt like it was happening so quick. And now this week has just been so slow. <laughs> like It really has. It really has. But you know what? We are just a couple of days away from the official start of the season on Thursday night. And then once you hit Thursday, I mean, you're off to the race. It's going to be Sunday before we know it. And we're going to be starting the season before we know it. I cannot wait. It's going to be so awesome to get back to NFL football. Yeah, I, this is – then once it starts, like it, it's going to be because there's Thursday night football, there's Monday night football, there's college football almost every night of the week. Um, we don't have to be, you know, alone with our thoughts for four months. I mean, who, who can't enjoy that? Alone with your thoughts. That's a scary place to be for some sports <laughs> fanatics. I go into deep, deep dives of stats and all sorts of crazy places. So – you know what? It's it's good to have NFL stuff back. We've got a couple of things to get to. We've got some news of day that we want to get to today, as well as an exercise on worst moments for fans, worst games, worst sports moments for fans for us, and then for Texans fans. Because you know what? Misery loves company. It might be a little bit of a, a roller coaster of a year, and so let's emotionally prepare and spiritually prepare for that. Uh, <laughs> sp- prepare those Texans fans by giving them uh, some some reminiscent uh, a reminiscent segment uh, because mi- misery loves company. Before we get to that, though, Corey, you got something for us? I do. Let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene: custom geek parties. Everything from corporate team building exercises, geek themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle's Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party. Are you in yet? Let's get to some news today. There's a couple of things that I wanted to pick out, launch your guys' way. First thing is something from uh, Sports Illustrated that I saw. It's a report that Derek Stingley Jr. ready to go. He's saying that he's at full strength after the offseason, and he is full go, ready to go. Uh, We've touched on his history of injury on this show before. Is that something that you have to say, or is there any merit to this? Are we going to see a 100% Derek Stingley Jr.? Because we know at the end of the season, nobody on a football roster is 100% right, but... Are we going to see a hundred percent healthy Derek Stingley Jr. to start the season at least? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I mean, okay. So there's two minds to this here, and I and I can kind of see both roads. The cynic in me says, of course they have to say that they're going to put him out there week one to show the fans, like this is what our team could be, and then kind of let the chips fall where they may. But I I don't I mean. I don't think anyone in that building says we're winning a Super Bowl this year. So because of that, 
I don't think that they would put him out there if he wasn't ready to go. The point of holding him out of preseason games was so that we wouldn't have to deal with any kind of coming into the season with the lingering, nagging things. Um, so to me, if he wasn't 100%, I almost feel like Lovey Smith would say, all right, well, then let's not, like, let's not put him out there until he is. Like, we're not losing... We're not losing a ton. I mean, listen, he's definitely an upgrade over who we have in the, you know, who's going to back him up for the season. But if we lose these games, we lose these games. It doesn't change too, too much about the complexion of this season overall, I think. No, that's fair. And it would just be nice to see at least, even if it's a small sample size, if we could see a little bit of what he is or what he could be what he might be going forward for at least some of the season I think is is what you want is what you're looking for you're not expecting a a Darrell Revis type start to his career but just to see you know if he's got some of the the fundamentals the tools that some of the the raw ingredients there and, and if he's coming in banged up I don't know if you're going away from the first couple months of the season saying you know what that's a real fair shake of kind of what we have or at least the start of what we have here and so I, I just think if you're looking at this season as hope for the future figuring out what you have for the future having those guys healthy is the first step right and this is a guy who has a pretty extensive injury history and so having him healthy that's a good way to start week one is having all of these guys in the in the right spot and then set up for as much success as possible being healthy is part of that yeah, and I, and I think ultimately if we came into training camp and he wasn't going to be ready in time, you know, now that you can come off of the IR list week six or week eight or whatever it is, you know, if he really needed more time, they could have got, they could have gotten it for him without even hurting the roster all that much. So I, I have to believe that if he's not 100%, he, he's super close to it. So I have another thing I saw, and this kind of spurred a weird train of thought in my head. So just hang with me here for a second. I saw a, <laughs> okay. on CBS, on CBS they had uh, the ranking. Uh, one of their reporters had a ranking of every single team, a preseason ranking, and Texas were twenty sixth. Jaguars were right there at twenty fifth. Uh, they had the Colts at eleventh. They had. The uh, Titans at 14. Nobody inside the top 10. I think the general consensus is this is going to be kind of a messy division. Uh, I've heard a lot of different NFL people say this is probably going to be one of the worst divisions. There's definitely a world where that could be. But I was just – and maybe I'm just taking a, an even closer look over the last, like, month or so, the last two weeks or so with not only – doing this show not only going through the preseason but also doing your fantasy drafts all that stuff there's just a lot of different angles that you're looking at the these rosters and i get all the arguments for why this could be a very non-interesting division it could be teams trying to figure out each themselves it could be progression of the titans indianapolis colts taking the next step i get all that but what if it's not what if it's a really, really fun division? What if Derrick Henry is just as good as he always is and he brushes off any injury concern? What if Burks, this guy out of Arkansas, comes in and actually steps up and fills in for A.J. Brown after a really tough preseason like one Jamar Chase catching heat before last year's season? What if Tannehill doesn't take a step back and it's not a weird locker room because of uh, Willis coming in out of Liberty the rookie what if Indianapolis is awesome because they didn't have a quarterback with an arm he couldn't throw at all last year and now they have Jonathan Taylor and a quarterback that can actually pass the ball what if Urban Meyer was as weird as all the stories made him out to be and Jacksonville has actually got a lot of young fun talent and they're a fun team because Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect coming out of college since maybe Andrew Luck. And what if the Houston Texans are a frisky team that, you know what, hangs in a lot of these games, ends up winning a few of them, and ends up being pretty entertaining for, throughout the season? What if it's a fun division? Uh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's not. Um, 
I listen. I I'm trying to go super optimistic. I'm really I know, happy about I know. football being back. No, I I look. First of all, when you gave those rankings, I who's putting the Colts basically at the top ten? What is are is did someone did Matt Ryan get better all of a sudden? I don't understand. Uh, he's only been one of I the mean, worst he... quarterbacks in the league the last three years. I don't know. I don't know who's stumbling through this and going, "Oh, Matt Ryan and the Colts, that's a winning combination." Um I don't I don't buy that a little bit. I don't I buy 0% of that. Um the Tennessee Titans He is an MVP or was, excuse me. Yeah, he was. And an he was MVP. in a Super Bowl and ever since then he has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Um I, I mean, they had Julio Jones for two of those years and it, it didn't matter. He, he's he's been like I, I I was a Matt Ryan. I liked the Falcons uh, when they had the two running backs. They had the three receivers. They were just they were stacked. And then all of a sudden, once that Super Bowl like gotten their their heads collectively, they couldn't they couldn't make rhyme or reason of football. It was like they didn't even know what a football looked like. Um, so I don't I don't know like Atlanta getting rid of Matt Ryan doesn't make the Colts better. I don't understand. That's where I don't... And that's Philip Rivers. And again, they're doing the same thing they just did last year. They took someone else's bad quarterback, and they were like, oh, but we're going to win with Philip Rivers. I don't know why they thought that either. Um, in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill's never been like a top 15 quarterback. So this idea that like he's going to crush it, um, they don't need him to crush it to win. I, I, I would flip for sure. Tennessee in, in Indianapolis in any ranking. I, I think Tennessee is still the best team in this division. I think they're still 10 to 12 games good. I think the Colts are probably between seven and nine wins. And I think our ceiling is six or seven wins. So there's a chance for the two seed, you know, if it all goes wrong for the Colts and all goes right for us. Uh, at Jacksonville, I have no hope for them. I have zero hope for them. Um, they're on their third head coach, their third offensive coordinator. I think they're their defensive coordinator. Um, I still don't think we're actually the worst division of football. Having said all of that, though, uh, you got to remember, you got to remember, Tampa Bay is going to win twelve games in their division, and everyone else in that division is going to lose ten games, eleven games, right? You got, I mean, Carolina, Atlanta, and who's. Who's the other? Who's the fourth team? I don't, I don't even don't even remember right now. That's how the Saints are. The Saints are going to be Saints. good in that division. First. The Saints. The Saints are going to be good in that. Division. No, they're not. Jameis Winston doesn't win over five hundred games ever. No, the, no, the, the Saints are going to be good in that division. What do you? Just Sean Payton left defense. Uh, Sean Payton and... left. Drew Brees left. Um, Alvin Kamara can't throw the ball to himself. Uh, and Jameis Winston will uh, oh, throw you... as many interceptions as he throws touchdowns. He's not blind yeah, anymore. Sean Payton, the guy who was trying to start a tight end at quarterback last year, has gone. Yes, he, he, that is the person that has gone. Uh, <laughs> the guy who Jameis, took this to their only Super Bowl? Really well in that system. <laughs> I, you can't badmouth Sean Payton. Sean Payton has got to be a god to the New Orleans Saints organization and fandom. Uh, he's the only success they've ever had. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas will be back. Chris Olave, great prospect out of Ohio State. They've got a sound defense. Kamara yeah, Mike, Michael Thomas is top level running back. How did we get on the Saints? I'm not defending <laughs> the Saints here, and, and I'm not even saying you know what. A lot of also, people look at the the division, and they look at the Texans and the Jaguars as teams without a pulse, and they look at a regressing. A Tennessee team, and they look at a team that could make the playoffs in the Colts. I'm not even saying that's wrong. I'm not even saying that's wrong. I'm just saying you look at it, and you know what? There's actually a viable route for this division to be pretty interesting. I look at something like the NFC East. I don't see any route where there's any going to be anything other than uh, the Eagles getting out of that division. Oh, even I don't the think Cowboys. I think the like Eagles they're... are terrible. I think I think everyone is terrible in the NFC East. I think Washington might have the best team there, de- only Ugh. by default, like just because they're all no. so bad. I don't. Well, I, I, Jalen Hurts has been one of the most inconsistent prospects ever. Um, so I'm going to need him to do more than he's done so far at all. Um, he's got the tools 
to succeed though more than yeah, but, any but, of these other and then Dak Prescott is in a weird situation with McCarthy. I just again, I'm not saying that it's going to be true. I just laid out a route for a division that I think a lot of people brush past as being an interesting division. And that's all I was trying to say. Yeah, no, I listen, I don't think laying out the route for that. I don't think we'll be I don't think it'll be an interesting division. I, I don't. Um just because I do think you know, I know we're the Texans podcast. I mean, we're going to win all the games. We're not. We're we're going to win. <laughs> we're going to win. I think our ceiling is six or seven wins this year. I genuinely do think that. And I think it's I think it's very doable. I also just think that this year there's a lot of question marks in the league. Like I'm not sold on the Bears. I'm not sold on the Chargers. I'm not sold on Miami. I'm not sold on Arizona. There are all these teams. That a lot of people are, are are saying like, oh yeah, for sure. Now I know that. At this point, is it eight teams in each division go to the playoffs? Seven teams in each division? So I recognize that some of these teams are going to go to the playoffs even though they're not impressive. Um, but yeah, when the Colts got Matt Ryan, I actually was excited as a Texans fan. I was like, this is great. This is great for us. I, I mean, see this Kurt as an absolute come out of retirement win. and play for them next year. Yeah, I do. I think, I think them getting – I think Matt Ryan coming to the Colts makes us favorites at home and makes us at least even in Indy. Because I don't, I mean, yes, they're going to run Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, he's going to run a lot. But that that can't be their whole season. Like, you, someone else has to do something on this team. And who's it going to be? Because it won't be Matt Ryan. So that means it won't be the receivers. That means it won't be the tight ends. So at that point, they don't have an offense. There's no engine to it. I don't know, man. That was a, a real dumpster fire of an Atlanta team. There's a world where he does well, and we look at it and say, you know what? He played really well with Kyle Shanahan, and now he is linked up with Frank Reich, and he's doing really well with him with a, a really great offensive mind a, a, as a coach in his corner. He's doing on, really well, on. and he's well, got I'll, a running back, back to I'll, lean on. The, the, the Colts played really well offensively, when they had Carson Wentz, who they literally were scared to have him throw the ball. They force-fed Jonathan Taylor the ball in the second half of that season. Yeah, and I want to challenge your idea that Frank Reich is this good offensive coach. Look at the two quarterbacks he's asked, the three quarterbacks he's asked for. Because he asked for Carson Wentz, he asked for Phillip Rivers, and he asked for Matt Ryan. I At this point, someone's got to explain to me, when is he going to pick a good quarterback? Well, when... He had Carson Wentz in Philly. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, they I know. Made, they but, made that offense look like it had the MVP at quarterback. And, so that and, one kind of makes sense. And then the Philip Rivers one, they got to the playoffs. I understand that they were not going to win a championship with Philip Rivers, but you had to upgrade from what you you had in in uh, at quarterback at the time because uh, you de- you weren't going to make the playoffs uh, with who was it, Jacoby Brissett. And so there's a, there's a difference between upgrading and then this guy like looking for for busts, you know. I think he was looking for a, the best case scenario that could get he could get for some of that stuff. Uh, I mean, not being able to fix Carson Wentz, I think probably a lot of us could have told him that, but he was also with him when he was most successful. Yeah, but I think that's where I think that's 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 where ego gets in the way, right? Like Um, and by the way, the Colts didn't make the playoffs last year. The no, 20, I know, but they the twenty twenty one when they when they had Philip Rivers. Yeah, the Philip Rivers season, they didn't make the playoffs. They they lost uh, to Jacksonville the last week of the, the last week of the season. A two win Jacksonville team. They were the second win. But again, you're upgrading. You're upgrading from Brissett. No, no, Philip. I think Philip Rivers was the you know that was the quarterback was last year was was uh Wentz was the quarterback last year. Oh, he was. They did bring him back. I forgot. About, it doesn't matter. He he missed the playoffs too. I mean, they're just. I don't know. I can't. I can't fathom a situation where the Colts are better. Not with this lineup. Not the way they've set it up. 
I, I mean, you could be right. Again, it could be a, a, a thing where I'm way off, but it also could be a route where it is a, it is a pretty interesting division if some of this stuff – I mean, if the Titans aren't regressing, if the Colts aren't regressing, and if the bad teams – again, not if the bad teams are good. If the bad teams are just frisky, <laughs> it could be. It could be interesting. That's what you – if you're a bad team, that's what you want, right? You, you want that's frisky. You're, going yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I just – when we say things like, is this going to be By the way, Philip Rivers did make the postseason. 2020, they lost to the Buffalo Bills. That's, so that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Same yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I was like, man, did they did they go to the playoffs last year? And then and then I was like, wait. For some reason, I had it, the order wrong in my head. I had it Carson Wentz, Rivers, then, then Ryan. But it was Rivers, Wentz, Ryan. It was, it was Brissett. Then they moved on from Brissett to Rivers. Rivers to to Wentz and now they're on yeah. Matt Ryan Mo- just so that Brissette. we're uh, we're clear and not dispar- disparaging my <laughs> my football cash of of memory. This is the only memory I didn't I didn't remember any math or anything from school. I remembered all the football stuff. So let's Move- let me hold on to that for the love of all that's told. Brissett, I I totally understand moving on from that one. I, I get like when you look at Jacoby Brissett, you go okay, we gotta we gotta upgrade here, and that's fine. Uh, he's. I think he wound up in Cleveland. I don't even know if he made the final fifty-three this year. Um, I I get that part, and so it, I just there were people who, when Philip Rivers came to Indianapolis, and they were like, "Oh, Frank Wright, Philip Rivers, like this is a marriage made in heaven." And I was like, "Where did we win? Like, wow, <laughs> when did we get to this?" It's it's like when Mike McCarthy came to Dallas, and people were like, "Now they're gonna win a Super Bowl." And I was like, has anyone seen Mike that McCarthy coach a game in, in the last five years? Like, it's bad. That was that was a tough take for, for some Dallas people. That was a tough take. Boy, I have really gotten us off the rails here. That's, a, that's I, all right. I, I can I've successfully I will I will discuss every football team and we can have the NFL Texans <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. We are off the rails. All right. Uh Corey, read something before we move on. <laughs> All right, guys, let me tell you guys about the Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more sports-related store, The Stadium. It is on the second floor of the Marcel Town Center at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130. It is loaded with all kinds of sports memorabilia and all kinds of boxes of the different kinds of cards, everything from Panera and Upper Deck and everybody else, all the different sports, baseball, basketball, football. Check it out. Take your time. Spend your money. They're awesome. It's a great place. Nico and I go there all the time and hang out and spend money and do all kinds of fun stuff there. Uh, so if you go, you might just bump into a celebrity. Yeah. Who would? Who would the? Nick. Who would the celebrity Nico, be? Obviously. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Just making sure. Just making sure I had that one straight. Uh, I meant me, Colton. <laughs> me. God. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. We'll, we'll go with that one. Okay. So <laughs> second, second segment I wanted to get into today. Second segment is worst sports moment. Now I wanted to break this down into two categories. I wanted to just go each of us going through our worst spo- sports moment personally, any sport. And then I think we should have a discussion about what's the worst Texan sport moment. Now I know that a listener a level-headed listener might say, hey, why would you ever want to talk about this stuff? First of all, it's kind of like in the beginning of that movie uh, with Matt Damon, Rounders, and he's talking about how the a gambler never remembers the hand that won him, but every single gambler can recount with astonishing accuracy the hands, that the big pots they lost or the hands they sold on. I think that's kind of sports fans right we all remember those horrific losses almost better than the wonderful wins and misery loves company and it's going to be a season with a lot of losses for texans faithful and so you know what let's just let's just get mentally prepared this is a safe space so let's go through some of our worst sports moments because in general we enjoy sports so let's just drag down our spirits a little bit there we go i love it Sports, we love sports because it breaks our heart and we just keep, we like that feeling a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Breaks it down so it can build you back up. Why do we fall down, Master I... Bruce? <laughs> so we can get back up, baby. <laughs> Corey, I'm going to have you go first. Um. All right. I think for me, one of the, 
I tell people this when we talk about when people ask me about the Astros. The season that I bailed on ever being an Astros fan again was the World Series where they lost, but they left about and I'm exaggerating here, but like 25 guys on base. It was at Clemens Pettit. Uh, Bagwell had been hurt with the shoulder year that wound up being the year that he they kept him on the roster, but he never played. Uh, and then he retired after that. I think this was towards the end. Like, Biggio might have played one more year. But we had, you know, um, uh, Lance. Lance. Uh, oh, man, just trying to do the names off the top of my head. I can't now. Uh, the Puma. I remember we they jokingly called him. But we had traded, like, for Carlos Beltran. We made all these moves. We get to that World Series and we just can't close the deal. And they left like 20 guys on base. And then coming out of that offseason, they, they basically were like, okay, well, that was it. And then they just start taking that team apart. And it was like, oh, so close and so, so far. And that was like, it got real dark. The Astros lost a lot after that. <laughs> and then they lost a lot to build that team up. And I, and I had friends who were like, it's okay, losing's all right, like, they're they're losing to get these guys and blah 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 and I was like nah it's it's not about the losing part it's about like they kind of, I felt like they basically gave up after that World Series didn't work out so that was that was a hard one for me hmm. Nico what you got for me so mine is the uh, one of the first games Corey took me to uh, <laughs> was the Houston Texans game against the Colts and it was just it was it's just like I'm like, oh man, I'm finally here. I get to the stadium. I'm like, wow, we really like this is crazy. I've never been in a stadium so big, and like I'm, I feel like I'm gonna fall off the stairs because they're so steep and there's so many people. And we just proceed to play like the just the most miserable like two and a half hours of football of my entire life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every defensive foul, every like we just what? it was just messy the entire way there, and I, we're down like a million points. It was just, it was... What year was that? Oh, oh. Andrew Luck, so 20... Oh, man, I'm going to blank on the year. What year was it, Corey? I know you have a better... Um, I think it was, it was Andrew Luck's, like, second year. And we already knew that, like, oh, Andrew Luck, so he's going to beat us. So yeah. that's probably, like, that 2015-ish, mm-hmm. somewhere right there. It was, it, it was yeah. brutal. That hurt. That hurts in person. Even more. <laughs> it was my first in game too, one, where there's just a bunch of like miserable people. Well, and I had even warned. Yeah. Him, I had even warned him going. I was like, "Hey, you want to come see the Texans? Like, we're probably not going to win, but it'll like it's cool to come see the play." And he was like, "Yeah." And then like it just it just never got good. <laughs> and then you're trying to crush his spirit early. <laughs> yeah. He. I mean, like he warned me ahead of time, but I still was like, "It can't be that bad." It was that bad. I don't. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> And it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so mine is a mine is a basketball one. I have mentioned it before, but I'm a Midwest boy. Lived most of my life in Minnesota. I grew up, lived a lot of years in Minneapolis. So one of my favorite athletes of all time, hands down, the guy I remember the I have the most like moments like just growing up remembering watching him play is Kevin Garnett the big ticket hands down my favorite athlete and he was on some bad teams most of them I didn't even remember because oh too yeah young. yes he was but, like start of the 2000s I'm like really getting into sports I I was like six seven really getting into sports really falling in love with it I uh, and 2004 rolls around and this team is really good. They gather all this talent on it, and they have, uh, they finally have some guys to sell Sprewell with Garnett to, to put alongside him to make a run. And they do, and they make a run, and they make this first run into the playoffs with Garnett, and it looks like they might have the juice. And they run up against that Lakers team with Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, and they had gathered – uh, Gary Payton, Carl Malone. It was like the the gathering of ring chasing uh, before that it was was even a thing really, and they had all of these guys, these studs from prior years and 
the studs of the current generation. And the Timberwolves, uh, the Timberwolves lose game one. Then they even the series in game two. And then they go down the next two games. And then there's that spark of hope where they win a, a game five. And it seems like maybe, just maybe, they're going to hang with this team and, and go at least the distance in this series. And there was a there was a dunk that Kobe Bryant had in it was either game four kind of setting up for the season to, to end or it was game six. But he had this dunk where in the back of your head, you watch the dunk and you're like, you know what, there's no way. There's no way we can beat a team with a guy who just dunked on the entire Timberwolves team like that. And I, I just that that image of Kobe Bryant rising up, it just is burned in my memory forever. <laughs> just destroying a little nine-year-old Colton's hopes and dreams of uh, of seeing Garnett win a ring. And yeah, that's I feel like that was probably my worst sports experience is being a little because it's worse when you're a little kid right and it's <laughs> you're just you've built it up to even more and now now when you've been watching sports your whole life now you're just like hardened and you're kind of used to it but when you're a little kid it just like crushes you i was devastated for for weeks i had like a a little like little kid jersey garnet jersey that i wouldn't wear for like the next year i was crushed <laughs> That is the uh, show remorse. It's harder because that was the best team they had ever had too, and you knew like, well, the, the team will never oh, be yeah. better and than then, that. And it was like the your your Astros story was like they just dispersed immediately yeah. after that, and they were horrible the next. Yeah, year. no, Latrell Sprewell turned down. A, I think it was a forty million dollar extension, and said he had kids to feed. Don't insult him like that. Uh, and he was the, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves were so mad at his public rejection like that that they didn't make him any other offers and the rest of the league was like, well, we don't want Latrell Sprewell either and he never played again. The worst part is that Lakers team kind of broke down against, and I get they're very different teams and that Detroit team was like uber crazy physical. Well, but that team uh, was never going to win because of the ring chasing. Uh, I I don't know if anyone knows this, but Karl Malone's the worst human being on the planet. Uh, And the karma gods are always going to show up and and remind the world that Karl Malone deserves nothing good. Uh, So he will forever, forever, never be a champion. No rings. No rings. It's just, it would have been nice if maybe they could have... One series earlier? A little bit earlier. Not saying that. Not saying that the Timberwolves were beating that uh, that Detroit team because that Detroit team that was, was insane. That was easily but, the greatest like non-star team ever built, ever. That that thing was a blender. They absolutely chewed up because that was all they did was just played the craziest defense ever at all five positions. It's funny because the NBA just doesn't do that. And, the, and Detroit was like, we'll just get the best defenders at every position. Yeah, we're just going to uh, we're just going to play yeah. bully ball. We're going to play bully ball, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. So yeah, that was my biggest sports crushing moment. I mean, I again, growing up in in Minneapolis, I'm also a Gopher fan, so there's plenty of horrible Gopher <laughs> moments, uh, Gopher football <laughs> moments that have just scarred me. Forever. It's gotta be hard just to cheer for a team. I don't know what I did to my dad when I was a kid to make to have him raise me as a Gopher fan. It's gotta it's gotta be hard to cheer for a team as ferocious as the Gophers. That that hey, in and of itself, what? like we're rowing we're rowing boats up here, my guy. How about you just hop off? <laughs> Go for it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't. Thank I'm you. trying to thank you, Nico. I'm trying to think if that. I've ever seen a Gopher win a fight in nature. They are basically nature's CC's pizza. I don't know if you've seen the movie Caddyshack, but that goes That's for true. One. You're right. You're right. He brought down the, the capitalist elites. And he, <laughs> he, he was dodging dynamite, bro. So how about you just step off? 
uh, gophers are essentially the CC's pizza. This is not supposed to be a roast of Colton after he shares his feelings. Okay? <laughs> it's not a roast of Colton. It's a roast of the gopher worship. That's all. Just that aspect. That is a roast of Colton. <laughs> that is a roast of Colton. Speaking of hurting feelings, is the worst Texans lost the KC playoff game? Uh, ooh. Only if you subscribe to the like highest of highs theory, like we were just talking about with the Timberwolves. Like, that was the best it was ever going to be, right? Like, that is... So Bill O'Brien, sadly, is the Texans' winningest coach in history. And that is the best football he had ever gotten out of that team. Um, the only team that ever even comes close to that level of success, there was a Matt Schaub run where I think they were 10 or 12 wins. All of the Matt Schaub Texans playoff appearances where they like, what was it, three years in a row or something crazy like that where they played? Yeah, the like, I think. And all of those games were absolutely horrible. They were just, like, horrible. Well, and one of, them, one of them was uh, the year I'm thinking of. I think he was, I think the backup on playing the playoff game because he was hurt. And that was the end of Matt Schaub in Houston. But it was like he had 12, he had, like, 10 or 12 mm-hmm. wins in a row. Um, or, no, I guess he had one more year because he had the year where he threw five pick sixes in a row. Do you remember this? Do you know this? This was this yeah, was okay. my yeah, freshman year yeah, of high school. He, the, the pick yes, six he has the most pick six in consecutive games. And I think he has it by like two or three games. Um, <laughs> he has he did he did fall. Oh, you know what was crazy, man? Is he was he was throwing the best game of his life against Seattle. Seattle was playing like crazy defense back then. Uh, I think we played them like week five or week six. And I think their average at that point was something like uh, 180 yards of passing offense against like per team. That was the average. And we were already coming into the half. We were at like 240, 280. And like Matt Schaub was doing great. And then somewhere in that late third, early fourth, he throws like a tipped pick six. And I think it's Sherman who just takes it to the house. And Sherman doesn't shut up about stuff like that. And that like, it broke him. You could just see it on Matt Schaub's face. I think it was like the fourth game in a row at that point. And he was doing so well and was avoiding it. And then it happened. And you could just see it on his face that he was like, I will never be a good quarterback. <laughs> and you were like, oh, okay. That moment of clarity, the come to Jesus moment, it's, it's, it's tough. You, you make that it's long tough. walk to the sideline over and over. And then one time you're making it over there and you go, this is never going to work. <laughs> is never going to be fun again it's just never going to be fun the other i mean it's got to be that's up there the sage copter it's kind of it's kind of a stacked deck because the texans game like you said when the stakes are the highest that's when the crash hurts the worst and to be up uh to be up by over 20 points on a team going to half and then have it fall apart that quickly in a half of football is is pretty tough i will say the when I was just going through some, some like articles and stuff like that, I took a deep dive into Reddit for this as well. I, uh, the Patriots twenty twelve, oh yeah, game is another. That's one a real you, lashing there. You've reached, yeah, where you uh, you've reached a real high, but that one wasn't because right away I actually looked at the box score for that game. Because I thought that it was pretty rough from the get-go versus the Texans or the the KC game, and that one Shane Vereen diced him up in the first and second quarters yeah. immediately. Like it was immediately a I, problem, I, and that was after JJ Watt had the the twenty sack year. I was at a house party, and we were uh, we were talking about the game going into it, and that season, the twenty twelve season, the Patriots had really been very much like two faced like. Some games they had this un- like unstoppable offense, and some games they they won like by kicking nine field goals. And so I was like, man, if they're field goal Patriots this like this game, like maybe. And they were instead unstoppable Patriots. And like, I mean, within the first ten minutes of actual football, uh, like I was like, okay, now this game's over. <laughs> okay, never mind. Well. In the, 
<laughs> I mean, they go up in the a few, midway through or with three minutes left in the second quarter, according to this box score, it's a 17 to three game. And then you have the Arian Foster uh, touchdown and then another field goal at the end. So then you kind of get it to 17, 13. And then the third quarter, it's a couple of Patriots scores. And all of a sudden it's 31, yeah. 13. No. And that was pretty much it. And then you have this another, you have the 33 yard. What was it? Like a little screen pass for Shane Vreen at the end of, uh, beginning of the fourth quarter and that's when the, they hit the 40 yeah and it, and the Patriots did like it. the college thing they started looking for like freshmen to put in like guys in the stands started putting on jerseys to go play against the Texans it was a real it was a no I, so at the halftime I, I distinctly remember where I was in that game we were at a little house party and at halftime it was close and, and, some, and some people were literally like oh you know like it was a rough start but we're gonna overcome it and I was like the Texans have never overcome a rough start like ever like they're not that kind of team they are walking into that locker room thrilled they're only down four uh and praying to god that shane vereen like uh trips over something in their locker room uh and within like like it was very quickly a couple of scores in the early third and i was like yeah i yeah it's that's not they're just not built for that uh the sage helicopters and that was the year too, where that whole like like JJ Watt, like I mentioned, the big 20, 20 and a half sacks in that season. But that whole defensive front was really good. So to have the have these little, I mean, Shane Vereen, Stephen Ridley, small little backs like cutting them. Oh, we was kind of the the big thing too. I remember all of the uh, there was a lot of memes that came out of that game. <laughs> the Texas oh yeah, expense. for sure. Uh, up north, I can only imagine like anytime the Patriots do anything, it's meme country on who they do it to. Uh, but the, the the defenses for the Texans, there were a lot of years we had pretty good defenses. We've had some good corners over the years. It, it's kind of just been wasted on offenses that never figured it out. Because the only time we've ever even had a running back worth discussing was Arian Foster and Steve Slayton for like a second, but then they kind of just moved away from him so quickly. Um, but the Sage helicopter game against the Colts, the Sage helicopter is another game that I can't, I will never forget as long as I live. Uh, we were up two scores with about seven or eight minutes of football left. And he just, he like, we need, we needed a first down, but we didn't need a first down fumble quarterback helicopter situation. And the Colts recovered the ball and proceed to win that game. Um, but what really kind of sells the downfall is this image of a quarterback just spinning in the air, like defying gravity. Uh, for note, like he didn't have to do that. See, see, those are the ones when you're snatching, when you're snatching defeat from the jaws yeah. of victory. I think those are the ones. I think that's why it's got to be the KC game because I don't think there was ever, like you look at, uh, the like the Patriots game. You look at some of these ones where it's a blowout. I somebody posted in a Reddit thread 2011 uh, losing to Indianapolis when they were the worst <laughs> in the was was one of them just because of how bad. I, that's a that's a good one because of how bad the Colts are. Well, there's and you have to understand how important it is uh, when the stakes are high and when you're losing the game on uh, even though you should be winning it. That's when it's really. That's well, no, you, you have to understand. So, in the history of the Texans, Peyton Manning was already the quarterback for the Colts. So, there's never a time it, back then when we were ever in a position to actually beat the Colts. As a matter of fact, I think the Colts were undefeated here in Houston for like the first nine years of our franchise or something like that. So, the year when they were the worst and Peyton Manning couldn't throw because of the neck thing, but they hadn't drafted Andrew Luck yet. The, that was, that's a real heartbreaker because we honestly thought like, Oh my God, we get to break the curse. Like we get to beat the Colts this year. And they still somehow won that. game. I remember actually I was at that game too. Cause I was, my sister and I divided our tickets and I was always the one, like I would always take the Colts games. Cause I like watching Peyton Manning play. He's, it was amazing to watch him be a quarterback, but uh, yeah, he wasn't there. They didn't have anybody, and they were still beating us. 
And it was so crushing to watch that game. I'll tell you another one that was a weird feeling. Um, Jadavian Clowney in his last season cost us a game um, on just the most deflating penalty ever. We we had scored in the last two possessions. We had come cl- I don't remember who we were playing against, but we were now within striking distance. If we get the stop here, there's like a minute on the clock, and we can we will be out of timeouts, but it's third and three. If we get the stop, we get the ball back, and we had scored on our last two drives. It just had that feeling of momentum. Uh, he gets it off sides. And that ends the game. I think I was there for this game. <laughs> yeah, you might have you might have been because I remember I remember looking to You've activated Nico's PTSD. I, I think I remember looking to whoever I was with and I was like, I've never seen a game end this way. I've never. Like, yeah, that's I, the one thing. Because literally, the literally one, they go offsides and then everyone goes, Yep, all right, good game, guys. And yeah. everyone just stands up and that's the end of it. Because because it was a first down. That's a that's a horrible Yeah, they nailed head. You know, this is a random it's a random thought, but if there's a Hall of Fame for players who have made tens of million dollars of dollars on one play, <laughs> Clowney and Odell Beckham are the first inductions. Um, right? What's the name of the guy who caught the football on his helmet in the Super Bowl? Tyree? Yeah, him. Yeah. He's in there. Um, Did he I, – I can't remember uh, – if he signed a bunch of contracts, I get I'm gonna activate a lot of, uh, a lot of hate for putting Odell Beckham. You know, I, listen, group, I think he's but, one of the most overrated. I mean, the Dallas yeah. catch. I think I think Odell Beckham is one of the most overrated, but stat like I know people are gonna get mad about that, but tal- he's incredibly talented. But it's just never. I can't think of a single time where he was on a team where they were like, they're gonna win the Super Bowl because of Odell Beckham Jr. You know what I mean, like. For for being a guy who was supposed to be so important, he never seemed to make the difference. Yeah, he he never really learned like the. There were all kinds of stats and awards. He never had the ratio of I'm going to be this much more talented than I am an awkward right. problem. Well, down, and right? so like I think in Giants history, there's all kinds of like receiving stats and awards that are Odell Beckham's. Like I think he was the fastest to a uh, hundred catches, the fastest to. 5,000 yards or something like there's all these things that he had done that were unheralded and, and I and I do accept that he was it's like him and Hopkins are like the two most elite catchers of football not necessarily receivers but just the way they catch it in these weird angle unique things where they can one hand it or whatever you know what I mean like and tiptoe in and all that stuff but it didn't ever translate for the Giants and it never translates for Hopkins either. I would I would still take Hopkins over. Uh, <laughs> over uh, honestly, Beckham. I know a lot of people say that, but I think it's only because Hopkins has done a better job of not letting the media in on how much of a whiner he is. Uh, when when the Texans traded him, he I don't, I don't care. I don't I don't like the guy at all. <laughs> when the Texans traded him, he had asked for a, a, a raise every single offseason, the last three offseasons. Um. And then he goes to Arizona and he gets $94 million in new money. And he's played in a season and a half worth of games. Uh, they already had to restructure his deal once. Um, does anyone notice Arizona be any kind of – I mean, they backslid into last year's playoffs and then they lost immediately. I don't – like, I don't – it's no – there's no uh, – to me, there's no difference between the two of them. One, one gets in trouble louder than the other one. The other, you know, but – uh, Hopkins has the PED suspension. Um, I don't know. I'm just. They could give him all the. Nevertheless, Clown- Clowney's for oh. sure in this Hall of Fame, in this mythical Hall. Well, of that Fame play. I up. mean, I can't think of another guy who would have been a number one pick in every draft class he could have entered. Because remember, he couldn't do one his sophomore year. So he had to wait until his junior year to enter. He yeah. would have been the number one pick his sophomore year because of that play. Yeah, yeah, he would have been play against michigan it was wild uh all right that's all i got guys nico do you have anything any other pain that you wanted to inject into this podcast i don't want to suffer anymore i think we'll survive (laughs) 
All right. That's uh, that's the exercise in the demons. Got all that out. Uh, we uh, we learned a little bit about each other along the yeah. way. It's good stuff, and I think we're I think we're ready for the season now. Nico, write it down. We cannot make fun of gophers and how easily they are eaten in all of nature. Yes, I would appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I am sensitive. Uh, uh, that's all. You know, I do want to say this: the the Rockets era, when Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming took turns just getting hurt every year. That was a those were painful years to be a Rockets fan. I remember every year being like, man, I've got, you know, two of the top 15 players in the league. And then, like, every single year, one of them was, like, 12 games in, and they're going to miss 45 games. What? Yeah, that's <laughs> – that is just – talk about, like, crashing and burning every <laughs> single – every single, like, October yeah. or November. That's tough. That's a tough was, way to be okay. The season's barely getting started, and all of a sudden the Rockets were like, that's all right. We're playing for six plays. You're like, what? How did this? <laughs> we why, why would we you, were loaded like an hour it? ago. <laughs> why would you do it like this? All right. Uh, thank you very much, Colton, for this. Oh, yeah. Boy. This is why we love sports, folks. This is why we love sports. Hey, people, people, people. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and make sure you're coming back. All three of us will be back here again for a Friday show. We're going to take a deep, deep dive into the Colts texans matchup for the season opener i think we're going to talk a little bit of lines as well look at the the spread look at the over under all that good stuff as well as some of the key matchups that we'll be watching for that game the season right around the corner we are inching our way towards it thank you so much Corey, nico awesome to be with you again my name's colton and thank you so much for listening to another edition of battle red radio